Today on the Callahan Podcast, well, Rick Rick Leventhal from Fox News lied to us. He said they had the suspect in the shooting uh, surrounded. Turns out the guy was no connection to the shooting. We're still waiting for them to catch that round mound of evil. And while we wait, we'll just sit here and watch Joe Biden stumbling and bumbling along the campaign trail. We get the latest sound from the former VP as he reaches out to the Latino community. Also, uh, Trump does a town hall for some reason with Steffi Stephanopoulos. That didn't go great. Uh, Jim Cramer calls Nancy crazy. Nancy and Alan Dershowitz is suing CNN big time. But the big news, college football is back and the NFL ratings are falling like a rock. It's kind of uh, good news for, uh, for Team Trump all around. We'll get to all that with Tom Shattuck. On today's Callahan podcast, brought to you as always by DCU, Digital Federal Credit Union. Do you love your car but hate your car payment? No problem. Refinance your car today with DCU, and they can help lower your monthly payment, lower your interest rate, or both. Applying is easy, and their loan experts will help you find the loan term and the payment that fits into your budget. Get out of that high-rate loan and get the interest rate and the payment you deserve from DCU. Learn more and apply today at dcu.org slash refinance. Should by NCUA membership required. All right, Callahan, let's go. This is the Jerry Callahan Podcast. But I've been saying this, uh, it's Wednesday. It's Wednesday, uh, September 16th. I hate that one. When, when September's fading into October and it's getting cold and summer's over, I get sad. I get, I'm, I mean, I'm not like Doc Rivers. I'm not going to cry, but I do get sad at the end of summer. And although one thing I was counting on this week to lift my spirits, I was counting on breaking news, breaking news on the, on Twitter, on TV, on the phone, you know, alarms going off. They got them. They got the round mound of evil, the, 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 the shooter in LA. And I thought it might happen Monday, Tuesday, and now Wednesday, I'm still waiting. And I go to bed last night. I don't know what you were doing, Shattuck, but I was watching Fox news, believe it or not. And they go live to Rick Leventhal, one of those, you know, live uh, on the you know, reporters who's always on the scene. And he says, it looks like they got him. They have a guy trapped, barricaded for nine hours. And sources say, Rick Leventhal claims, that it's the guy, that it's the round mound who shot the two deputies. And I'm, and so I'm watching for a while. It's a standoff. He, he's barricaded. I said, you know what? I'm going to go to bed, wake up grab my phone and read all about this capture and his name and his story and his mugshot and everything else. So I get up this morning for like the third straight day, expect to see this scumbag in custody. Rick Leventhal lied to me, Shattuck. He lied to everybody. It was, uh, it was, it was a news story, but it was a carjacking suspect, no connection to the shootings. We are still waiting for this criminal genius who waddled up to the cruiser on Saturday night at seven o'clock. And I mean, we're waiting for some condolences from, you know, Ed Markey, Liz Warren and Ayanna Presley, and Kamala Harris, and, you know, wait for them to acknowledge this heinous attack. But we're also waiting for them to, to, to get this guy. What is taking so long? This is annoying me. Nobody looks like this thing that did that. And it's no wonder he could sneak up to the car because you can't see him in the rearview mirror, right? I mean, he's like a, he's an obese Emmanuel Lewis. Um, have, you, have you ever met Glenn Ordway? 
Yes, I have. Yeah, well, that's you know, un- I, unfair, Glenn, unfair I, attack. I'm a good here. friend, I love Glenn, but he has a certain, you know, similar look to him. But that's a good point. Maybe they looked in the rearview mirror and thought it was a child, a fat kid. <laughs> yes, no, the center of gravity too. But while, while running away, like he was, he was going about a fiftieth of a mile per hour, of a mile per hour. I, I don't, I don't know why they can't find this thing that's out there. I don't know. It's ridiculous. Um, I, I mean, the, the left and, you know, Ed Markey has done a real good job of making the, you know, minority neighborhoods know that the cops are the bad people. The cops are mass murderers. So maybe there's a nice omerta in the neighborhoods now where everybody's clamming up. Nobody's saying anything. You know, it's like where you live now, Jerry, 30 years ago in Charlestown. You could, you know, whack somebody out in Charlestown 30 years ago. I think Marquis put his finger on the problem. The cops have guns. Once we take the guns away from the cops, as Marquis has proposed, I, I don't see any problem in the neighborhood. Do you? No, not at all. What a not fool. at all. What an embarrassment. What an absolute disgrace our junior senator is. And our senior senator ain't much better. But Ed Markey is a disgrace. I'll say it again. I'll say it every day. It was 36 hours after the attack. The bullets were still in the poor guy's head. And Markey's blaming police, saying Portland police are brutalizing innocent protesters, which is a lie, and saying it's time to disarm the police. He is just such a disgrace and such a pander and puke. He wants to be, you know, AOC's uh, like-minded grandfather. You think that's his ticket? It is. He got. He got. He's going to get reelected. People that we know, our neighbors, are going to reelect that slug. It's just embarrassing. But anyway, anyway, well, remember the reward, the reward. Shattuck is three hundred. It's up to three hundred thousand. These are people. Uh, I, I'm going to guess lots of working class folks in Compton. Somebody there doesn't know after seeing the video doesn't know who the short, fat, evil guy is and doesn't want to get the 300 grand. By the way, the sheriff, uh, Villanueva, uh, challenged LeBron James to double it or at least contribute to it. Nothing from nothing from LeBron. Not a word. Not <laughs> nothing. He's too busy. I, I assume he's hiding because he's according to Le- <laughs> LeBron, according to LeBron, police officers wake up in the morning and they hunt down innocent black guys. So yes. LeBron, he's innocent. So he must be hiding, uh, you know, in, in barricaded in his mansion with his, his white chef and his white driver and his white agent is a white trainer. Cause you know, he's such a champion for the black community. What a fraud he is. Hasn't even answered the request to kick in on the reward. And, you know, he's an L.A. guy, and he's a civil rights icon these days, but nothing from LeBron James. If if LeBron could just put his book down long enough to <laughs> listen to reason here and do the right marketing thing, I mean, this would be the right thing to do. But, yeah, it's disgusting. But I'm not surprised. We talk about Markey creating this environment and cultivating this environment. And remember, his his colleague, Ayanna Presley, is on the ground floor for saying this is a good thing. There needs to be unrest in the streets for as long as there is unrest in our lives. So that, that is not only my congressperson, that embarrassment, that is our next senator. When Liz Warren goes, uh, becomes, uh, you know, the EPA commissioner for, for President Harris, and then you're going to see <laughs> uh, Senator Ayanna Presley. I can vouch you can, too. People around here, people in New England, in Boston, are crazier than ever. They want radicals. They want uh, I, I, we now know that Marty Walsh is on the endangered species list because Michelle Wu is coming for him. Marty's not radical enough. Marty thanked the looters for trashing Newbury Street, thanked them for coming, appreciate the damage. It's not enough. It's not <laughs> enough. He took down he took down Abe Lincoln. 
<laughs> not enough. Not enough. His ass is going to be kicked out, and Michelle Wu, who is a you know a squad wannabe, is going to be our next mayor. But Ayanna Presley, do you notice when she goes all radical? It's with such confidence. She doesn't think twice about you know blaming the cops. Uh, she doesn't think twice about calling Kyle Rittenhouse a white supremacist terrorist. She does it with conviction. I'll give her that. She hates cops. You know, she no, hates- you're absolutely right, Jerry. We had an Ed board with her at the Herald a few years ago. And, um, and she would say, right. When you just sit around the table and chat. Right. Well, essentially, and you fling questions at her and she, you know, bats them away and you have a back and forth. They, they can be they can be insightful, actually. And we had we had one with uh, with Marky recently. That was a disaster for him, we thought. Um, anyway, but we had one with her and she was saying this is about equality of outcomes. Outcomes need to be completely equitable and there needs to be sweeping changes. And she told she was putting her Marxist upon a few days right there on the table. And that's who she is. And you're right. I mean, this. This is mainstreamed, and Biden is totally susceptible to it. You now see Bernie Sanders now has been dispatched essentially by the squad to put Biden in his place to say, hey, buddy, you're not getting our constituency without paying a tithe to us. And he's demanding essentially Green New Deal FX. He's demanding more socialization of of government, and he's going to get it. That's who this this Biden, and it is the Harris-Biden ticket. And Kamala Harris has Kamala Kamala Harris has oh, no right. Um, right, she has no built-in uh, principles or an ideology. She's just no. an ascendant. She just wants to get bigger and better, and so she'll do whatever it takes. And if she has to carry the water for AOC, she'll do it happily. Yeah, I think. I think it was a terrible choice. I said at the time, it, 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 uh, she brings no one in uh, on your side. I mean, Kamala. She, you know, California doesn't matter. You're going to win that anyway. Uh, she was. She. She. F- polled below Liz Warren and Bernie Sanders among black voters in the primary. She didn't even make it to the primary. Uh, she's a terrible candidate, but we all, I find this interesting Shattuck. And we were talking about this before we started taping here is in two days, we had both candidates mistakenly say the Harris Biden ticket. <laughs> or the Harris Biden. Now, when she said it, it was a little curious. You're saying, She's not senile. She's not prone to, you know, gaff a minute like like Biden. when Biden said, let's be honest, it's a gaff. It's just another gaff because that's what he does. He's he's got he's in cognitive decline. He's got dementia. He makes mistakes. He didn't do this with intention. She said it. And I'm like, wow, she thinks she's president. She probably knows if she gets elected, if they get elected, she'll be president. So my guy, Dave Rubin, who we've had on the podcast, he's on last night with Sean Hannity. And he says he's hearing that something big is coming. I, I forget exactly the word he used. Something big is coming in the next few weeks before the election. Like Biden is stepping down before the election. Now, I think that's kind of crazy. I, I mean, I, again, I, I can't believe they nominated him. I can't believe any Democrats looking at him. And we'll get to his... Uh, his outreach to Latino voters yesterday. Which could- <laughs> you want you want to show the listener? Let's show the listeners quick, or at least the live viewers, the, the comparison here. You want to see? Uh, here, here's Harris's take on what was it? Sunday okay. or Monday? I think it was Monday. I think it was two yeah, days ago. Yeah, yeah. So here, here's Harris. A Harris administration together with Joe Biden. So that she was that- herself, and yeah. she knows. I mean, Biden never catches himself. He just rambles on. And- but there's some confidence in what she's in what she's yeah, doing. Yeah. 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 So then here's here's yesterday. 
Harris-Biden administration is going to relaunch that effort and keep pushing further to make it easier for military spouses and veterans to find meaningful careers to ensure teachers know how to support military. And that's just plain teleprompter reading right there. Like, yeah, that's, all, that's all he does. And although you got to get the take on PS, and S, PSTD, um, post PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, you got to get his take yesterday. He, he goes in this in-depth description of a veteran who killed his neighbor and then molested her, her dead body. And this, the, the result of not getting treatment for veterans and veterans are pissed. He's got no shot with veterans, obviously, but um, it's bizarre. It's bizarre. It's not, I mean, it's not the most bizarre moment from him yesterday. This is amazing. This man's not doing any interviews. He's not doing any town halls yet. He's got one tomorrow, but he's got it with his campaign staff from CNN. Uh, but, <laughs> But Biden is is in is is not well. He's not well. His wife is a cruel, cold woman for marching him out there, putting him through this. It is like watching, you know, if he were if he were a you know a high school teacher, if he were a uh, you know a store owner, if he were an insurance salesman, they would say it's time to go. You can't handle the job. You can't. You're not up for it. It's sad, but you're almost seventy eight. You've been through a lot. You're just not uh, capable of doing this job. And there are 60-something million people who want him to be the commander-in-chief, who want him to be the leader of the free world. It's just, it's just sad and it's cruel. But we'll get to the, to the outreach to the Latino community. But is it a wacky conspiracy theory to think that he's not going to make it to Election Day? Shattuck, you're a, you're a political junkie. Mm-hmm. Are you hearing that from anywhere else? It was kind of a throwaway from Dave Rubin, who's not usually a guy who goes goes off half cocked with crazy theories, but it it makes sense in this level. Is he hasn't even got to a town hall yet? That's tomorrow, and he hasn't got to any of the debates yet. He's reading a teleprompter and he's losing his way. Right, and well, he's reading the teleprompter because when he's not, U.S. troops died in Iran and Afghanistan. You know the. That's a kind of a devastating thing to say. You know, U.S. troops died in Iraq and Afghanistan, I think. And, if, or of course, if Trump had said that, it would be, you know, Donald Trump thinks that Americans died in Iran. Biden is uh, he's been having these gaffes more and more frequently recently. And we both saw him on the teleprompter. We've both seen his campaign now for a second time. His campaign has, is unable to answer the question of whether or not he's on a teleprompter. You know, the first guy that kids. Duck toe, whatever his name, duck tape. That guy, um, duck toe. When, yeah. when he was on with Brett Bear, it was the most uncut. That was a PR guy, a, a flack, and he couldn't handle a simple Q and A. It's going to get ugly, but right. But- no, and I think that that's why I don't know about Ruben talking about uh, something big happening. I would tend to doubt it at this point. I do think that they're dropping the Harris Biden stuff on purpose. I think they're saying that on purpose. I think it was written into his teleprompter. I think it's a quiet nod out there to Democrats, you know, many of whom in just an anecdotal level that I've talked to who are afraid that he's lost his mind and that he's hiding um, that to say, hey, don't worry about it. Biden's the name that wins. Harris is the candidate that wins. You know, um, just trust us to do this. Bear with us while we do this tough stuff on the while he uses the teleprompter and he hides. This is Jennifer O'Malley Dillon. She was asked. She's another Biden flack about the teleprompter. How do you respond to the criticism that has uh, uh, we've seen this all over about the vice president using a teleprompter during some of these interviews? Oh, well, I mean, first of all, 
I, I would say very clearly the vice president uses the teleprompter uh, on occasion when you see it as a, giving a speech, but he is also out there every day taking questions from reporters. You're seeing that today. He's in Florida uh, and will continue to take questions. He's take, I think he took questions four or five times uh, out on the stump and out of his travel last week. So how do you respond? Wow. He took questions out in the stump. Yeah, he took questions yesterday. He took two questions. One of them was, where are you heading? And I don't think he knew. And the other one was, what are you going to do about the disinformation campaign from the Trump uh, right. <laughs> team? The disinformation campaign uh, campaign with Latino voters. Uh, so literally, they're working with him. They're, t- I mean, obviously, they're working with him. We saw George Stephanopoulos, who's doing his best as a Democrat operative to uh, trip up the president last night, which is okay. Uh, we could get to that, but I I think that if you're that hat flack right there that you just played, that you wake up every day saying, "What is my candidate going to do to screw this up today?" Can you imagine if they had a good candidate, a competent candidate? I mean, just to, and I realize they didn't have one of those in the primary, but if it was someone who could get through a day without stepping on himself, like like you know, Klobuchar or even Buttigieg, I know what problems he had, but if they had a a, a clear-headed, lucid candidate, they'd be running away with this. I, I mean, I it, it bothers me because I think, uh, I hate to say it, but Trump's not getting enough credit from most of the media. Uh, clearly, I just, I just looked at the, uh, I'm not, I'm not big into Middle East, uh, you know, geopolitics, but it was a big day yesterday. We can all agree. The Boston Globe, I looked at their page. Obviously, I can't read anything because I don't subscribe, but their page has literally 50 stories, their front page on their website. Not a mention, not a mention of the Middle East uh, peace treaties with Israel. I just looked at the New York Times morning mailing, the morning briefing update, it's called uh, The Morning. It's just called The Morning. And it is, I don't know, five, uh, 3,000 words. Tense, a tense town hall. They go through all of Trump's <laughs> falsehoods. Uh, right. Then they go to the to the wildfires, obviously Trump's fault. Then they go to the virus, obviously Trump killed 200,000 people. Then they go, what else is happening? Louisville, Kentucky gives $12 million to Breonna Taylor. We'll get to that. I have uh, some questions with that. Uh, then they go to the Rochester, New York, um, police uh, corruption, uh, suppressing the video of their brutality. On and on it goes. Uh, oh, 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 one paragraph. Right. One, not even off, not even more, one sentence in a diplomatic victory for Trump, the UAE and Bahrain and Israel formally signed uh, ideal normalizing relations among three countries, period. And then we move on to uh, John Bolton accusing Trump of something. It is the, the, the lengths they will go to to downplay anything he does that's not totally disastrous is comical at this point. Right. And these are Arab Gulf states um, who are now signing peace treaties with Israel. You had uh, United Arab Emirates and then Bahrain. You've got in in um, in Europe, uh, Kosovo is um, is is also right. normalizing relations. Uh, Serbia is moving their embassy, which is now which is a Trump fad, which now is uh, is becoming mainstream to Jerusalem which just shows you no president since the 90s we were supposed to move that embassy there and presidents were too tepid to do it because it would establish, solidify Israel being the homeland of the Jews. And and, and, and Trump's predicting, what, seven or eight or nine more countries? Yeah, two more African on? countries are going to do it. Saudi Arabia is going to do it. Saudi Arabia it, does it. That's huge. Even it, it, I mean, even the global have to acknowledge yeah. it. And, and it, he'll do it in October, right, as the election season is cranking 
right. have a couple more of these ceremonies, which are, uh, I mean, let's be honest. Uh, here's all I know about them. Every president in my lifetime tried to do this, except Barack Obama, who couldn't give a damn about Israel. Couldn't well, he was the other side. Yeah. Israel. But every, until Obama, every president, Democrat, Republic, would like to get would like to have gotten something like this done and they failed. Well, Obama deserves some credit in a way because they empowered the Iranians, the Shiite Muslims and the radicals, essentially right. handing them a check and resources to build nukes. So that is essentially drove and, these and other build IEDs, you know, and kill Americans. Oh, oh yes, they were fighting a proxy war against us on the ground for a long time before Trump waxed uh, Soleimani, but they were um but but they were, you know, all of these countries, the Sunni countries, then said to the United States, wait a second, after Obama, they said, you've empowered Iran now. Will you help us? Will you be our, our bulwark in the in the area against Iran? Trump said, um, we're not making the United States a speed bump for your problems over there. You figured out. So they had to run into the arms of Israel. If anything, it was brilliant foreign policy by Trump. And right. now we've got and, this. And, you know, they isolate. Tehran, which is brilliant. You're right. Yes. It's and and it's hard to believe. Like Jared Kushner did this. <laughs> Why couldn't other administrations do it? Is is it that hard? I, I guess because I they've guess. been in Washington. They're the, the, where these guys come from. The private sector. These guys come from the private sector, where you have to get things done by deadline on budget. Things have to get built or they die. In Washington, it's just a status quo. You're always going to have an influx, an IV of capital from the taxpayer. There's no standard. You don't have to reach a deadline or benchmarks. But some of the foreign press has been picking this stuff up because that's their neighborhood over there, and right. so the American press is is you know. Uh, reluctantly following behind. I think these Nobel Prize nominations are deadly, I think, for, for Biden, for the Biden campaign. Liberals, New York Times liberals, Boston Globe liberals, um, the Nobel Pre Academy is... When, do, when does they when do they give that stupid thing out? Or oh, I mean, they'll probably give they it. They give Obama it out. They again. nominate in fall. They give it out in early in January because Obama right. was nominated as a candidate. That's right. And won it and was handed the prize in like January or February. Of, right. I remember uh, it said right January. on it. He found the men's room in the West Wing. That's right. how. That's all he had to do. He found the men's room when he got to the and he, and he and he went you know the bathroom and they said Nobel Prize. Give it to him. I mean, Trump will never get it, but that's fine. It's even better when you don't get it because it's so obviously uh, political. There's such bias here. But I'm not sure if um, if the Globe or the New York Times and CNN covered their guy Biden yesterday. But this, by even by Biden standards, to me is so bizarre because for the most part, when you see him, you know, stumbling over his words and, you know, telling him to move the teleprompter up, you're saying yeah. they're, they're trying. They're cringing, but they're trying. I want to play his outreach to Latino voters yesterday because he's getting smoked in Florida among Latino voters. Hillary won by like 30 points. And he's right now he's trailing Trump by like 20. It's a huge swing and it's a good sign for, for Trump, uh, at least in Florida. And but but. He came up with an idea on how to connect with Latino voters yesterday. I'm just going to assume he came up with it on his own, or maybe the voices in his head told him to do this. But maybe you can explain to me how this works. He comes to the podium. I don't know if you have it, Cullinane, but he comes to the podium, breaks out his phone, takes out his iPhone, and says, I'm going to play you a song. Yeah, you got to see the beautiful execution on this one. It's, it's a visual one. I, to me, I think he was showing off because most people think he can't, he's not capable of like playing a song on his cell phone. Yeah. 
Well, we got news for you, doubters, you cynics. He, he can do it. He did it yesterday. He pulled it off. I just have one thing to say. Hang on here. <laughs> All right. There you go. Dance a little bit, Joe. Come on. I'll tell, you, <laughs> I'll tell you what, if I had the talent of any one of these people, I'd be I'd be elected president by acclamation. <laughs> Thank you so much. Jesus. Oh my I mean, tell me I know it's a it's a long list, but is that not the most uncomfortable moment you've seen yet on the He campaign? might as well have come out there dressed as one of the three amigos, you know, with the <laughs> Sombrero. Now Trump I mean, did on on uh, May, on Cinco de Mayo. Trump had a taco bowl in front of him at Trump Tower years ago, and it was goofy. Mm-hmm. And he said Trump Tower has the best taco bowl. But here's the difference: is you think that Trump is at least laughing along with it a little bit? He's kind of being goofy, or, you know, on purpose with intention. You don't think it's senility? Explain to me how this works. He's backstage. All his handlers are sitting there. They're wiping his chin and they're telling him things and fixing his hair. And his wife is telling him, you know, you'll get through this. And he goes on stage with his phone. What the hell is the point? What is the goal of playing the song called Despacito, which I believe in Spanish means slowly, which I guess is is apt. It's appropriate. But what does that do? What is he trying to do there? Um, well, obviously, he's trying to pander. He's trying to show them he's down um, with them. You know, Does he didn't that do that. Did he not do that? But in fairness, though, he was introduced by the artist, right? Like the artist of that song was the one who introduced him to that. So that song, I mean, couldn't they play it on a loudspeaker? Yeah. Would it sound good? I would actually would have thought they would have done that. Yes, that would have made. I don't sense. know. I don't think, Dave. I don't think it takes away from the fact that he was a he was absolutely pandering. He's lost his ability to seamlessly pander. So that's why, you know, last week he was in in the in the black church telling the the folks in the church that. Uh, that Thomas Edison didn't invent a light bulb, that it was a black person. He told the same congregation that in the 60s he was demonstrating on the streets for civil rights, which is a lie that he had to retract in 1987 when he originally told that lie because he was nowhere near the streets. He actually was just at the black pool with corn pop, you know, getting in the razor blade fight. The kids were rubbing his legs. <laughs> right, right. But also, you know, I think that he feels like he has to change it up a little bit when with when he's with Latinos. With with black audiences, he uses the same line, but Latinos are a little bit different. Yes. And by the way, what you all know, but most people don't know, unlike the African-American community, with notable exceptions, the Latino community is an incredibly diverse community with incredibly different attitudes about different things. So with the Latinos, you got to bring uh, audio visual uh, devices with you because there's a new dimension. The black people are not diverse. They're a monolith that he can simply pander to and lie to. But I think it's a problem. That's and, and you know, when we talk about his campaign and how the coverage of him, I think his campaign is worried because they're not able to get good Biden stuff into the news cycle because he keeps stepping on his foot. Now, the media is not going to report on the bad stuff. They're not going to imagine report. you mentioned the media. Can you imagine what John Oliver, they're not, not real media. I mean, there, there is no real media. What would John Oliver or uh, Bill Maher do with that clip? If, 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 if Trump walked out with his phone and played a song because the, the singer introduced and played a song in Spanish and started dancing, 
I mean, that would be the full hour or whatever, you know, John Oliver or Bill Maher, they would spend, uh, CNN would spend hours and hours mocking that. I mean, I yeah. don't know. I mean, I, I, I haven't seen any of these, uh, you know, Jimmy Fallon, Seth Meyers clowns that all, uh, you know, feel the same, say the same thing, think the same way. But are they going to play that? Did they play that? Did they mock that? Because you really have to if you're a comedian. Yeah. I mean, only if. If only for the fact that he shuffled over to the podium and it took about six minutes for him to get there. And then, of course, he couldn't figure out the technology for a moment. And then once he did figure it out, he tried to dance and bob his head a little bit to it. And it seriously reminded me of a, of an elderly home where they're trying to be cool, you know, doing the Macarena or whatever. You know, you have a rapping grandma from the 90s, whatever. It wasn't it wasn't well done and well executed. It's not a good pander, and I'm sure his, his, I know his campaign knows that, and they can't get any good, they can't get any layups into the news cycle. They're having. I wonder, I wonder what they could do. I mean, obviously, you could say he's not healthy, he's not fit. You could say he's going to step down and be very emotional. It would get a lot of sympathy, but what's the process? Does someone else become the VP, and Harris names a running mate? Is that what happens? You, well, they can't take Biden got the electors and I mean, got the votes from the uh, the delegates for for the Democratic Party. So well, what if I, he got I don't hit know. by a bus and I mean, what would happen? I mean, obviously, you'd have to have a new candidate. There has to be discussions about that, which is uh, I mean, it's obviously a wild campaign season already. But like tomorrow night, he'll be on CNN and they will be filleting him. They will be fluffing him. I don't even know. Yes. I'm, I'm not sure. I'm going to check the. Uh, Remember, Anderson Cooper let him use the teleprompter last week. He let him use the teleprompter to refer to it, to to look at it, to read off it clumsily, and he let him do it. So what we're going to see from CNN, well, it depends. Actually, who's I don't know who's hosting it. If it's I'm, I'm looking up that I, right I think now. that recently Tapper has seen the tea leaves and has said, if I'm going to have a career after this election, I'm going to have to revert to old Jake Tapper, the reporter. So I've seen a little bit of improvement from him. But the other people are are simply a lost cause. I mean, Cooper's a lost cause. Lemon's an idiot. Uh, Cuomo, this Cuomo, the Cuomo brand is going to go the way of disco, I think, after this election as well. But if if Tapper wants to make it about him and regain, uh, restore his his uh, reputation, because you know, six years ago Tapper was a good reporter. He was grilling Obama about um, about Benghazi. He was not easy on those press secretaries of Obama. He was a well, those days are over, but he's another operative. As we know, he tried to get Sean Parnell to drop out of that race to help his buddy Connor Lamb. I mean, he's a hack. He's he's a he's a he's he's a fraud. Uh he's trying he's gonna try his best to get Biden elected. He's not um hosting this town hall. It is Anderson Cooper. So you know you're gonna get yeah. the hard hitting questions. So Anderson Cooper, who is a devoted Democrat who wants Biden to win, who hates Trump is the host of the town hall for Biden tomorrow. And he will do his best, you know, to spoon feed easy questions to help Biden through this because he needs help. All right. Today's episode brought to you by Flagship Wealth Management. Again, here with Dave McDonough. Dave, before we get into the Managing Your Money and Retirement Report that we've been giving away, I want to talk about the market just like we did last week. What's been going on? On this very podcast last week, we mentioned that the market is coming off a record August, something we haven't seen in 30 years. Well, we also set another record, Dave. From Wednesday until Tuesday, 
a record correction. NASDAQ, tech stocks, down 10% in three trading days, first time in history. That's the fear of missing out crowd, the people that are just buying tech stocks for the sake of buying tech stocks. All right, so you go to flagshipwealth.com slash retirement. You got that guy. Dave, once they get it, what do they do with it? Then they gather their statements. They take an inventory, and then they realize that they have three 401ks in different spots. They have different beneficiaries. And again, with a market that sells off in 10 days, David, it's irresponsible not to take control. Absolutely. Flagshipwealth.com slash retirement. Go get managing your money in retirement. Dave McDonough, thank you for joining me. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member F-I-N-R-A-S-I-P-C. By contrast, last night we have Trump in a town hall hosted by George Stephanopoulos. And you and I disagree on this. If I'm Trump, if I'm the Trump team and, and, and Stephanopoulos or Steffi's uh, you know, handle uh, assistant calls and says, we want you to do a town hall, I say, go suck it. I'm not sitting down with, with a, a, you know, a Clinton with a you know, Clinton uh, operative, uh, uh, th- this is obviously a rigged game. The questions will be combative. I mean, we knew it. It was uncomfortable to watch at times. He made it through it. See, I think, I understand why Trump does these things because he, I understand why he sits down with, I guess I shouldn't say, I understand why he sat down for 18 hours with Woodward, but I understand why he, you know, wants to fight with the New York Times. He wants to show that he doesn't back down. He's a fighter. That's his what, What's the last town hall or interview Trump did that, like, really beat the shit out of him, like, really impacted him? Like, uh, he did. He did. Uh, Bob you know, Woodward on the street yesterday. Like, who talked about that? It just, it just, like, it goes right off his, off his shoulder. It does. And- I thought it was a good look for him yesterday. I thought that you had, you had, you know, citizens, um, you know, asking him, attacking him and asking him from a place of empathy asking him pointed questions, um, prodding him, uh, trying to provoke him, essentially, you know, like Kazir Khan uh, style. And you're waiting for, and I'm sure this is what ABC intended for, you were waiting for Trump to attack. And he was he was completely calm through the whole thing. He was as, um, you know, he was is as detailed and, uh, and, and thoughtful on policy as Trump can be. Actually, he seemed sharper to me. But he was calm. He but, he wants, but the goal is to show I'm not afraid. Bring in this hostile audience. Bring in this Democrat host. Right. I am not afraid as opposed to, in contrast to my opponent, who will not take a question, even from the cheerleaders in the Washington press corps. He will not take questions, even though they have a, uh, they're, they're invested in getting him elected. Uh, he will not even sit down with with the stooges at uh, at ABC or right. CNN or the Boston Globe because he's so afraid of he's so frail, right. so feeble. Here's uh, CNN Daniel Dale. Uh, you know, talk about <laughs> tough. He says this is by far the toughest grilling Trump has faced as president. And I guess you would say it's a tough grilling because it's a setup. They got a bunch of Trump haters in a room and said, go at him. Even even the woman who said, don't interrupt me. She's talking to the president. She's like, don't interrupt me while I'm asking a question. And the uh, they, they go through all the people who uh, the New York Times and their little morning mailing go through all the people that uh, grilled the president and how, you know, he screwed up. They even found someone who said he voted for him in 2016, but won't vote for him this time. That person doesn't exist. That's what the one thing Trump has going for him. He's trailing in the polls. He says some dumb stuff. But I don't know anybody who voted for him four years ago who isn't 
still on board. He hasn't lost any of his support. That's why his approval rating among Republicans is like 96%. Do you know people that voted for him four years ago that are out this time, Shattuck? No, I know just the opposite. But, you know, there is polling that shows that he has lost um, white educated, college educated voters from the suburbs. And he's surging in Hispanics and his numbers with blacks are up as well. So there's it's, there's a give and take there. But I think that the, the, the second half, you're right. That was to show that he can go out there and take the heat, which he did. Um, and now it, you know, now it's incumbent upon Biden to do the, the same thing. And also it's the, to show suburban women that he's not a monster. So you had these right. very empathetic right. people. And in the end, the last one, the Dominican immigrant whose mother died, that was a, a win for Trump. Um, when she couldn't get through the question, she was crying so much. And he just said, take your time. And it, he appeared human, right. uh, particularly with an immigrant who was there to make him seem like he hates immigrants. But the uh, they go through all the accusations from all the you know, alleged uh, concerned citizens. And then uh, the New York Times writes, Trump responded with a flurry of falsehoods <laughs> to defend himself. Um when he, he he said, you know, he wouldn't have a mask mandate. Don't we already real? Didn't we already come to the conclusion that you can't have a national mask mandate? I mean, honest to God, the, this mask thing, and I don't want to get into it again, is so bizarre to me. There's literally no proof that masks stop the virus. I mean, it makes people feel good. I wear them because when you go into a store, you don't want to be uh, appear to be a dick who's trying to, you know, uh, upset everybody. But they don't. Stop the virus. This, I mean, you. The CDC admitted it that you know the average mask that a person wearing is doing nothing to stop the virus, but right. it just makes people feel better, and it makes the government, the governors, the mayors feel like they're in control, and they want Trump to come up with some, I don't know, made up uh, law that he can, he can he can sign saying you have to wear a mask. You know, you're going to kick you know babies off airplanes if they don't have a mask on. It's so bizarre. Yeah, it's dumb. But, but you know, even three years ago, if you were a reporter and you put in your copy anywhere that a, a politician was lying, lying is knowingly doing something misleading on, on the basis of being malicious. You could never write that. You can't say somebody's lying. That's editorializing. That's, point, yeah. That's I mean, assigning a motive to him. Now, you know, all of CNN, they've been dispatched. You know, most of the media has been dispatched to be just shocked at how much why this man is lying to us. Can you imagine that? He's lying to us. That's in lieu of reporting. They've stopped dissecting the issues. They don't want Trump's substance of what he says to get to you now. So they're trying to tell you, don't even it's just lies. It's just lies. It's I mean, talk about whole Soviet Union. That is, you know, meanwhile, just last week, like we just said, Joe Biden told an audience of black people that Thomas Jefferson didn't invent the light bulb, that it was black people. Just last week, Donald Trump, I mean, uh, sorry, Biden, you know, told a, a, another audience that uh, the military had lost 6,000 active duty people due to COVID, where the true, where it's actually seven people that have been lost to COVID. And like we just said, Trump was claiming that he was marching in the civil rights march. Meanwhile, nobody's saying Biden, no, sorry, Biden's saying all that stuff. Right, nobody's saying he's lying. Nobody is saying he's lying. And I think about, not only that, they just the opposite. They doubled down. Yes, two days ago, Biden said, if you reelect Trump, then the suburbs are going to be on fire, that suburban neighborhoods are going to be flooded. And he says these insane things. And people like, you know, Reamer and others say, yeah, that's true. I'm going, what? Well, I mean, what exactly did Trump do in the last three years to cause hurricanes? They got nothing, nothing. They say 
Paris Climate Accord. So if we didn't pull out of the Paris Climate Accord, Hurricane Sally wouldn't be pounding the, the Gulf Coast right now. It's it's insane the right. concept that one man could take a pen and sign some legislation and change the weather. It's utterly insane. Right, and, and it's a and, bad and, move. And, and Trump, I mean, Biden went all in, and everyone in the media said, yeah, if you want to stop all these wildfires, you know, you got to Real, you got to elect Biden. Like, I mean, Obama promised the oceans would recede if you elected him, and people did twice. The oceans did not recede, and and somehow his running mate is claiming sort of the same thing. If you don't, if you don't reelect Trump, if you elect him, then he'll stop the fires and the floods. Yes, it's, <laughs> it's crazy. It's, people that is so it. wacky. I mean, uh, yes. And you got Gavin Newsom out, like on this photo shoot with it, dressed as a Canadian mounted policeman, <laughs> you know, in the smoke, saying, "You see what happened? These are because of bad policies. This is because we're not believing the science. Nobody believes that." And these same people are telling us there's no such thing as Antifa, and there's been no reported real damage done by Antifa. Those fires you see are people in Hawaiian shirts. By the way, that means Trump. QAnon, by the way, believe that. I'm telling you, I I don't even know what QAnon is. I don't care. It doesn't mean they're not burning churches. They're not beating people up. They're not shooting cops in the head. I don't know what they're doing, but but they're not, you know, shooting cops and killing cops. By the way, you mentioned uh, rioting and looting. You saw Portland, you know, Seattle. You saw Portland destroyed 100 plus days, uh, consecutive days of rioting, looting. We see the arrests. The guys get booked, uh, fingerprinted, photographed, and let go to riot again. The same people arrested every night. There's a judge in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, that is an American hero. Um, I I don't know what we can put him on a Wheaties box because he's holding all the rioters from Lancaster who rioted because of a life, because the cop shot a knife-wielding maniac who was going to stab him, and the cop shot him dead as he should have. Clearly, it was self-defense. Clearly, it was justified. Doesn't matter. The rioters and looters in Lancaster said, looks like fun. Let's go trash some uh, stores and burn some dumpsters. And they're all being held on $1 million bail. In Portland, Seattle, no bail. Lancaster, PA, $1 million. Beautiful. You know what happened, Tom Shattuck? They stopped rioting and looting. It was a brilliant strategy. Let's take it seriously. Let's make the bail hurt. And these rioters and looters said, you know what? I think I'll, uh, you know, go back to playing video games and, you know, sleeping all day. They, they stopped, they stopped. And that's, you know, if you're in Portland, if you're a law abiding citizen, you're saying citizens like, why couldn't we do that? Why, why couldn't we make it hurt? Why couldn't we make these people have to pay up? Why couldn't we make Steve Carell and John Cena and Justin Timberlake have to dig a little deeper to bail out these these criminals and these these degenerates? But anyway, you're right. And Jerry, I, the good news is this: you're right about all of that, and people know logically about law and order. But you know, here's another thing that, that that's happened this week, and this is not good news for the Biden campaign either. Is that this Joe Rogan stuff offering to have? a debate on the Joe Rogan podcast. That is brilliant. That is brilliant. What no Rogan question. has said about Biden being unfit is very damaging. You know, we talk about, you know, uh, Tucker gets 3 million people a night watching or Hannity gets, you know, 3.4 million a night. You seen in a, a lot fewer, you know, Rogan daily gets about eight to 9 million listeners a day there. Are, he is more influential than any other show out there. 
And that's just listeners. That's before YouTube or whatever he's everything else he's going on Spotify or whatever. It's amazing because half the time it's a long, boring interview. Yes. I mean, I try listen when I see this someone I find interesting, and sometimes it's great. I've said it before. I he had a great one with Bill Maher. He had a great one with Lenny Clark. So the other day, Mike Tyson was trending number one uh, on Apple. So I said, check it out, Tyson. He can be interesting. It was terrible. I don't know if you guys listened to it. It was terrible. Tyson was so unfocused and just rambling, and 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 Rogan couldn't do anything to control it. It was, it was like two and a half hours. I listened for maybe an hour and a half, and I said, this is terrible. Anyway, you are right. It's brilliant for one reason. You can't, if you were an objective reporter or an objective political analyst, you can't say, no, Biden shouldn't do it. Because you know why? Because you can't come up with a reason he shouldn't do it. Trump wants to do it. Rogan wants to do it. The, you know, the people want it. So why, if you're a Biden surrogate, would you say no? Only one reason, right? Because he can't handle it. He I, don't, can't handle it. I don't think I've seen one person out there on social media say no to this idea on both sides. Right. Obviously, right. On side, Rogan's not a conservative. No, I know. But from the conservative standpoint, Rogan is the best you're going to get in this situation. That that's, and, that's, and and he would do the one thing that would drives me crazy with these debates. These is he will not get in the way. You know, like you'll see uh, Chris Wallace will will be there to save Biden in the first debate, and I don't even know who's doing the next debate when like Brooke Baldwin or some other hack, there'll be Steffi Stephanopoulos doing one. <laughs> they will be there know. with one goal is to help Biden through it, to help him make it through the, the, you know, the toughest night of the campaign. Rogan wouldn't do that. I mean, I don't think Rogan will, he, he's already on record as saying Biden is a joke. He said, uh, electing Biden is like going for a long walk in the, the woods with a flash flashlight with dying batteries, you know? It's stupid and you probably won't make it. So so Biden will never ever do it, but but Cullinane's right. Nobody's against it. Nobody well, objected. I mean, Ro- Rogan said that stuff, but he also like he he speaks from kind of like an emotional standpoint. He's not just being an asshole to be an asshole. If he says no. that this is a guy who looks like he has dementia, he's speaking like from that's a, why he's so dangerous. A, a, correct. From a real place. So yes, if he shit talks a little bit down the line, it is what it is, but it's not there's there's literally it's the most objective person you're going to get in that, in that. Totally. He's exactly, he's practically dumb in exactly how you'd want him to be where he goes by his own emotions. He reads people. He doesn't like to be condescended to. So if Trump goes in there and and talks him, you know, Rogan's not going to like that. But if Biden goes in there and just uses the relics of his old double speak from 20 years ago, Rogan's going to say, what is this horse crap? Talk to me like a person talks. And it'll be interesting to see. I mean, if the polls continue to tighten, if they tighten the battle, battleground states, um, then Biden may have to reach a larger audience. Good point. Like a desperate Biden is going to be something to see, man. And it seemed that way yesterday because he saw the polls with Latinos in Florida. And so he came out with the with that singer and then played the song on his phone and started dancing. I mean, it, <laughs> a desperate Biden. I mean, Tyson and Tyson. Trump is Oh, Tyson and Trump, they're always, he's always going to be crazy. He's always going to be a loose mm-hmm. cannon. You never know what you're going to get with Biden. He's so controlled and choreographed that when he goes off script, you know, there's desperation in his camp. And maybe you're right after one debate, if he's struggling or two debates, if it's, if he's really, you know, really struggling, maybe they do something desperate, like go on with Rogan for two hours. But man, that would be the most listened to podcast, probably beside this one we're doing here. Or maybe the precast podcast. 
it, it would set records. Everyone would be glued to it. it uh, everyone would be watching the video. Andy and, would be disseminated. And he's what you do, though, when you watch Biden, if you're a Democrat. You just hold your breath the whole time. He's on a tight wire and you're saying, please don't fall off. We need, we, you know, we hate Trump. Let's, you know, let's make it through this. Um, I hope he does it. I don't care. I mean, I look forward to every debate. They're going to be great. They're going to be wild. It's going to be history. And I don't see how the Joe Biden that we saw yesterday and the day before that guy, even with the help of the media, even if, you know, Stephanopoulos is there or Chuck Todd is there to hold his hand. I don't see him getting through an hour and a half, let alone two, three hours with, with Joe Rogan. Right. Well, I think, well, I mean, Biden has his strong moments where he's loosened. A couple of times last week, he was loosened. When he was yelling about um, Trump, you know, causing hurricanes to uh, destroy the suburbs, which were going to be blown away, he was loosened. He was following the directions of the teleprompter, which told him to raise your voice when, when you start talking about the suburbs so that the, uh, you know, college-educated white women will hear. And, um, but he still can't think in his feet. And when he's challenged, that's the problem. That's why the Rogan thing, I think, could end up in a in a in a fist fight because when Biden feels challenged, he, he gets starts, snippy. But right, gets snippy. You, like Shattuck, I'm telling you, that is dementia, and I'm not kidding. There is there is frustration. I've been around dementia patients when they, especially early in late stages, they're it's it's just they're gone. But early they get frustrated with the inability to recall things, to be themselves. And when they, things don't go their way, they get a little snippy and a little uh, angry. That's what you're going to see more of. That's what he's going through. It's too bad. And his, again, his wife is a cruel, cold woman for putting him out there because he belongs, you know, back home in his beachfront mansion in Delaware and relaxing on the porch or, Maybe, you know, taking a walk. He's not supposed to be running for president. It's madness. But, hey, hopefully he won't uh, close the deal. Did you know that Shea Concrete has been offering technical engineering seminars for professional development credit at their Ames Mary headquarters since January 2018? Well, now these continuing education opportunities are brought to the industry virtually through the Precast podcast platform. I've been telling you about the Precast podcast, the best podcast in the Precast business. It's the only one, but it's good, and you can get credit just by listening. Although nothing can take the place of the in-person training, the virtual education offering through the Precast Podcast are a close second. Shake Concrete Products is committed to supporting two educational-based podcast episodes per month at no cost to attendees. Multiple credit hours can be earned. How easy is that? You don't get credit for the Callahan Podcast. You get credit when you listen to the Precast Podcast. Are you a septic or wastewater professional in Mass or New Hampshire? Contractors, installers, engineers, or job site inspectors who need to earn professional CECs to keep up their certification or license should check out Shea's Precast Podcast Technical Engineering Seminars. Uh, in the podcast, the Precast Podcast is not all technical. Listen and find out more about the company's process, products, employees, and so on. There's even an episode featuring me the brother-in-law of uh, Greg, the guy who runs Shea Concrete. Shea Concrete Products is not only the lead supplier in the precast concrete industry, but they also deliver a robust technical education platform. With over seven years of experience in operation as a family-owned and operated business, Shea has become New England's premier precaster. Whether it's sun or rain or snow, doesn't matter. Shea Concrete Products is always on the go 
and they will drive that extra mile to be your trusted precast concrete product partner in New England and beyond. Check them out, shayconcrete.com. Speaking of madness, I, I can't spend a lot of time on this because it is so bizarre, but the Tucker Carlson interview with the Chinese virologist who claims, and by the way, we said this at the beginning, not definitively, but we said, would it surprise you if this was a weapon? The, the, the Chinese government created this virus in a lab and released it on the world for, you know, obviously for, to destroy the West, to destroy the U.S. economy. And, and also think about it. If you're, if you're a soulless, evil communist and you have a billion and a half people and your economy is struggling, What's the biggest drag on any economy? Well, not the biggest. One of the biggest drags on any economy. It would be the, the seniors, right? Senior citizens, the mm-hmm. people who are, who are done producing and earning and are now retired and getting Social Security in this country, but in other countries. Pensioners, they call them in the UK. So you came up with a way to wipe them out and destroy the U.S. economy? Why, do people, <laughs> why are people so cynical when they hear this woman's uh, theory or this woman's uh, uh, charge accusation that it was created and released into the, the world to do just what it did to, to, to just wipe people out. Right. And there will no doubt, you know why obviously the Chinese are, they own the world health organization. You know, they own a, a lot of um, a lot of regional countries. I mean, literally now at this point, and they've got a lot of influence. They own the NBA, you know, they own Hollywood they're very influential. They own a lot of big businesses and industries. And to, to defend them now is just par for the course. At the same time, though, when Trump says that G's a good guy, they all tackle Trump and say, oh, my God, you're just saying that this despot is a good man. No, I mean, it, it. why was it so easy for us to say that a pangolin started this thing? <laughs> I, didn't know? Know what, I didn't even know what one was, but... Right. I don't know. It just seems well. It's not. Forget the uh, the World Health Organization. Think of the American media and and C- Tucker did some of this. Played some of this of them attacking anybody who said it was the fault of the Chinese. Like they're like carrying water for the yes. Chinese Communist Party. The American media who makes it seem like America's at fault here and not China when it's obvious whether it was a pangolin or whether it was some evil. Uh, virologist, uh, it came from China. We know that. And and Trump calls it the Chinese coronavirus. And people go nuts, say it's racist. Racist, he, as he said, it's it's accurate. Uh, but here's what I said last night, uh, tweeted last night. If this weren't Tucker, if this were some you know ABC report or whatever, New York Times report, it would be the biggest story today. It would be huge. But because they despise Tucker and Fox News, they envy Tucker they're going to ignore this. It's going to be like uh, the, the Middle East peace accord, peace treaty. They're going to ignore it because it is, uh, it, it has been uncovered by, by Tucker and Tucker's Tucker's the bad guy, but we'll see. He's got, I think he's got part two tonight. It's fascinating and it's bizarre and it's shocking. And it's like the biggest story of our lives. If he, our lifetimes, if it's true, if the Chinese government made this in a lab and said, we're going to wipe out, uh, you know, millions of people and take over the world. I mean, it's there's no, there's no way just from this five minute conversation that Facebook allows us to keep this video. That's up. a good point. Oh, that's you're right. <laughs> you're no right. Way. I condemned yeah. Tom Cotton and Tucker Carlson for their lies. How about yeah, thank that? Thank you. <laughs> I, hey, we're just asking the question. The, um, 
the virologist has already been banned by Twitter. She's like this scientist, a doctor, a brilliant woman. And with real insight, she's been banned by Twitter. It's bizarre. By the way, 29 million, almost to 30 million cases worldwide, 940,000 deaths, almost to a million deaths. Uh, 21 million people have recovered from the coronavirus around the world. Those, if it's, I'd say it's still kind of a big story if uh, what she's saying is true. So we'll see if anyone picks up on it, even though, even though it came from, uh, came from Tucker Carlson. Uh, I tell you what they, one, one thing people did pick up on, and I don't, I, I don't know what, where Jim Cramer comes down politically. I just picture him as a lunatic, uh, you know, business guy who likes to scream. I don't watch him. He's annoying to me. Do you know, Chaddock, is he generally considered? I think he's a Democrat. A Democrat, but he's yeah. a money guy. You know, Colin Ain. Uh, I think I think he's a Democrat. He, I yeah. mean, he comes off at times like fiscally conservative, but, uh, you know. I it think doesn't behoove you in New York yeah. City to be Correct. a guy on Wall Street and not be a Democrat. Yeah. And he, uh, I, I think he was unfairly attacked for this, at least on Twitter, at least the usual suspects who circled the wagons around Nancy Pelosi. But he was trying to paraphrase the president and he called nancy pelosi crazy nancy to her face and then between you and i think secretary mnuchin i mean what deal can we have at crazy nancy i'm sorry I, that, that was the president I, I i have such reverence for the office i would never use that term but it is but you hard, just did oh, come <laughs> but on. you just did you know what i mean there was a couple of people and i forget who they were who were saying he should be fired Oh yeah, a lot of people said that he has a very weird communication style. That he yeah. wasn't like deliberately calling her crazy man. He was trying to, again. Oh. He was using a term that the president would use and trying to say that she would have to, you know, sit down with that guy with the guy he who was calls trying him to crazy. Get a laugh. He actually got what he wanted because she was laughing at it at the same time. He was just trying to get a laugh out of her to lighten up the situation. That's all. Although she didn't let it go, she is she is still sharp, insane, but still sharp. But um. But uh, you know what? I, I found it interesting that he said, I, I have too much respect for the office. He didn't say too much respect for you to say it. He said the office. So I don't well, know. Did, did, a, did you see the apology last night? On, no, no. On his show? Hang on. Earlier today, when I talked to House Speaker Nancy Pelosi on Squawk on the Street, I made a very stupid comment. It was a tongue-in-cheek attempt to make a point about the harsh tone of the negotiations in Washington. But I felt completely flat, and I apologize for that. As I said immediately after the comment, I want to make it clear that I have an incredible amount of respect for both the speaker and, of course, the office she holds. Yeah, he'll survive. You're right. He's a Democrat. Yeah, yeah, no question. He will survive. Um, unlike, unlike the Carolina Panthers play-by-play guy, Spanish play-by-play guy who was fired for supporting Trump, fired because he doesn't hate the president. Now, to be fair, they told them they take off all references to politics off his Twitter feed and to stop uh, being so involved in politics. And he said no. So he kind of accepted his fate. But that would never happen. That will never happen under a, a President Biden. It would never happen under President Obama. You can't survive in the media these days, mainstream media, if you don't hate the president. It's really a really bizarre. I mean, I don't I don't listen to too many Carolina Panther games in Spanish, but um, I, I guess he was good at his job. I guess they liked him, but he is a nutty, crazy Trumpkin now, and he just doesn't want to let it go. And uh, he said, no, fire me. And uh, I respect that. Yes. But- you know, I live near the Merrimack River up here, Jerry, and 
we're seeing more and more uh, Trump flags on these boats. And it's, yeah, they, they yeah, found the boat this, parades are unbelievable. Right. But these are just Trump, in, in uh, Merrimack and Amesbury up here. Um, you, you're seeing more and more of these flags. And it's like they found a safe enclave for normalcy. If you're on the high seas or the, you know, the rolling Merrimack River, you're, you know, nobody can touch you there. So you're allowed to really kind of signal your true feelings. And we see it more and more. And I can't believe it up here that you have Trump flags flying by, you know, a Newburyport going out to the Atlantic Ocean. But uh, Americans know that this is that this is bull bleep and cops know. And like, in that's lower- why, you know, that's why that it should be the biggest issue for Trump. He should go back to it every like any time we have done a town hall or debate. You should go back to law and order. Cops getting shot, you know, all the Democrats saying defund the police and disarm the police. That should be his number one issue. So Jerry, nobody in, in any, you know, Michigan or Wisconsin, Ohio, nobody wants to disarm the police. As he pointed out last night, again, in the town hall, 81% of black people don't want to disarm the cops. Al Sharpton doesn't want to disarm the cops. It's a wacky, fringe, right. radical BLM uh, it's, view. It's yes. not shared by anybody out there in America, white Democrats with college degrees and master degrees, master's degrees, they want to defund the police. That's who it is. It's not the black community, like you just said, or the Hispanic community. Both of those communities want the cops back, which is probably one of the reasons yeah, Trump's the ones, right. is surging there. They're saying, save our communities. What are you doing? You have these 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 white kids in law school coming to our communities to pretend they're lawyers and medics and torching the entire place, and they're all going back to Wellesley when this is all over. But we're stuck with these burning embers, and you're leaving us. It was Trump- a picture yesterday, I think, uh, was a Kamala Harris picture of her, and she's come out against weapons of war, you know, ban the AR-15, and she's got a security guard right next to her with an AR-15. <laughs> so it's like... You take away your AR-15, but you can't touch mine. It's just another example of this incredible hypocrisy and double standard, which is a winning issue for Trump. I think he should just hammer away at law and order. Every commercial should be about cities burning. Yes. And Democrats defending and you know saying Antifa is a myth and Black Lives Matter is wonderful and show them smashing store windows and, and burning churches. That should be his... His number one issue, number two issue, every every minute of every day, he should be hammering away, law, not just tweeting law and order, but talking about it. And yes, he did all- it last night when, you know, when he yeah. was asked by a woman to say, essentially, she said, essentially, she said, admit that there is police brutality, that the black people are being killed in the streets by police. Admit that there's a problem. And he didn't budge an inch, an inch. You know, there's a couple of there's the chokers. Okay, there's a couple of bad apples and chokers. The police do a good job. They have a tough job. They're out there. He was 100 percent behind them. And it's that resolved people. Other people, political consultants would say he was being tone deaf because he didn't caress her and and, you know, acquiesce a little bit to her sentiments. But no. He is that's what we had. That's it's what he has to do yep. when the when police reform, you know, we're right after George Floyd, police reform was the thing, and you had uh, Republicans saying that they want to get rid of uh, uh, immunity for police officers and get rid of this and to, you know mm-hmm. cut the budgets, and they were afraid of the of the mob. You got to fight back. You can't admit the systemic racism. You can't admit there's an epidemic of police brutality because there isn't. It's what he should say. It isn't, you know, it, there's uh, isolated cases, of course, but there's much more of a problem with the uh, attacks on the police than the police attacking 
you know, innocent minority kids that, and he should focus on Chicago, 53 shootings again, last weekend, 50 shootings every weekend in Chicago. He should talk about that and how those black lives matter, you know, right. Hammer at home every damn day. Right. Um, or he could, if he wants to talk, if they want to talk about it, systemic racism, you could certainly talk about the pipeline of poverty in these democratic cities. The fact that you've got to, that black women are encouraged to marry the government rather than to marry uh, a, a man and that there you know that there's the broken family 75% of these households have no father in the in the house and that is encouraged through policies through supplements etc and uh, incentives in those communities so i mean there's a way to, to to talk about it if he wanted to trump trump's not flight of foot i mean he he can't he wouldn't be able to do that really but i mean there is something to be said republicans could own this issue and you know trump doing straight talk i think to every to every community, black, white, Hispanic, I think that's a good look. People like that. People like to be talked to straight. When he sure, said, but, you know, he'll me, you have nothing else to lose. Right. That's a human thing to say. Hey, I'm not good. I'm not great. I don't know what I am, but that other guy sucks. Why don't you give me a try? <laughs> that's reasonable. And he has some great surrogates. You know, he's got, you know, uh, uh, Candace Owen and he's got uh, uh, Kim Klasik or whatever you say her name is. He's, he's, yep. And we saw some of the speakers, Herschel Walker at the convention. He's some good surrogates out there and they're, I think they're doing a good job, although I'm not Joe, sure. The Joe Biden has uh, a guy who sang Despacito as a, as a surrogate. <laughs> I think he's, I think he's winning. Well, the Louis, right Louis, Louis Fonsi. Fonsi. Yeah. That song, that song was a it was a global sensation two years ago, I think, or now two years ago. I didn't, I did not know that. Learned something new every day. I oh, wouldn't sure. have played if I were Joe Biden. I know we wanted to show off that he can handle the phone, but I would have had it cranked out on some nice uh, speakers. And uh, but what a bad pander that is, you know, to say to say, all right, we've we've abandoned your cities and your neighborhoods. We've left them unprotected. We've let we've let them burn. We've let you know, spoiled rich white kids come into your cities and burn them down and just destabilize everything in this situation where we've already, you know, almost tanked every business because of the COVID stuff. But here, I'm going to visit you now in Florida since the polls look bad and play you music played by a Latino. And that, that should shut you up for a while. I mean, it is, is pathetic. And that is a big shift. I'm not sure, you know, black voters are shifting in the numbers that Trump, hopes but latinos are they certainly are in uh, florida all right two big uh what does clay travis call them the corona bros the people that want to shut down sports shut down right. society until we get a vaccine you know the fauci the, the fauci uh, supporters uh, the cult the cult of fauci who want to shut down everything and they still want us uh hiding inside until the virus disappears or we get a vaccine it is a tough it's been a tough few days for them um Right now, news breaking, uh, Pete Thamel reports that the Big Ten is coming back Ooh. and will will kick off October 24th. I'm not sure how many games they're going to get in. Um, include daily rapid testing. The statement from the league is imminent. That is great news. It's time for every league, every high school league, every college league, Division three, two, one, Big Ten, Pac-12, type for them all to come back. We've learned through the start of college football, the start of pro football, through NHL, NBA, MLB, that they can do it. It's not a, it's not a problem. It's especially not a problem for young guys and 19 or 20-year-old guys. It is all political. If you're taking football away from these kids, you are a rotten human being. You are a bad person. If you're taking football away to hurt Trump, 
You are diabolical. Let them play. Good news out of the Big Ten. Bad news, by the way, for the NFL. There's no epidemic of, uh, of coronavirus spreading through the locker rooms. Monday night football ratings dropped 27% wow. last year. I hate to break it to, you know, the, the Corona bros, but there are people bailing. Not everybody, not me, not Tom Shattuck, not Turtle Boy, but there are fringe fans who were watching last year who are just seeing this, this, this bowing, bending of the knee to the mob by Goodell and others and saying, screw them. I'm not saying that the league is going to, you know, go under, but there are a, the percentage. That's a big drop from one year to the next 27%. Brady and Breeze, that game saved them. Obviously, Cam Newton to New England was a big boost. There's, you know, some games that are still going to have a mass appeal, but I think there's a lot of casual fans that are disgusted with the kneeling, with the pandering, you know, with the, the with the names of uh, on the back of the helmet and saying, screw yeah. them. Yeah. And that's dramatic in some markets, you know, you'd figure that, that even the 60,000 people who would be at the stadium, that's those a- people at least would tune in, <laughs> you know, but that is, that's dramatic. And just, I think it goes to show you, I think with COVID, first of all, people have found other ways to live other reasons, other reasons to, uh, to drink on Monday nights, um, than, than watch football. Well, yeah, that's actually kind of a decent point, too. There people even just to save money, are they canceling their cable and they don't have... I mean, because mm-hmm. Monday Night Football is on cable. It's not on network television. So that could be an impact, right? A major impact, I would think. Yeah. Yeah. It, well, it, and also, you're right. Anytime you see this, because this... Anytime you see this, like the Brianna, it was a Sean Payton who had the Brianna Taylor thing in his scarf or whatever. And it's a tragedy that, that she is dead and her boyfriend and all that and all that stuff. And we don't quite know what everything yet, but fine. But this idea, it's such an disingenuous messaging. And it's telling you, hey, you need to step aside from the facts and the truth and go along with this cultural shift right now. And still, and, and we're going to you know, do a disservice to you, the viewer, by making you, uh, you know, have to ingest all this complete BS and you need to take it. And I think good, good, good question from a texter, uh, from a commenter is what if governor Whitmer says university of Michigan cannot play because she's the, the ultimate control freak, the ultimate petty tyrant. Then you got a pretty interesting showdown. You're going to have the rest of the big 10 play, but Michigan can't because of this vile governor that'll be interesting and you know in massachusetts what if you know kids high schools say we're playing you're gonna have the governor step in who was an absolute out of control tyrant and just say no i've decided that you you can't and just put his foot down it's going to be interesting going well, forward you know what's going to happen jerry look at the house parties and the dover sherborne <laughs> house party happens you know a hundred kids from mostly other towns you know, converge in a house party. They break a ping pong table, and now school's canceled for everybody. They can't have COVID school. I mean, they can't have school now. And it happened in oh, another gosh. town. I forgot last week as well, where there's another house party. And Damn. so, yep. yeah, school for everybody. Thirty-two kids were at this house party from the town. So now, three hundred kids can't come back to school. It's punitive. It's malicious. It's a it's, way to say you. It's insane. Uh, and there was a couple players. We talked about Tyler Eifert putting David Dorn's name on his helmet. Now Villanueva, the guy from the Steelers, the uh, offensive lineman who was an army ranger. He put, he literally took his own 
magic marker and wrote the name of a, a guy, a, a guy who died in combat on his helmet, which to me, you're not going to be able to criticize him publicly, but his teammates all agreed to put one name uh, from a young black kid who was shot in the back by the cops. He's on all the helmets except Villanova took it off and put his own tribute on there, which is pretty cool. The public will love Villanueva and love Tyler Eifert. I'm not sure about the teammates. We'll see how that goes. Maybe a little tension in the ranks. But you know what, uh, that's interesting, Jerry, though, because Villanueva, you know, a few years ago when he when he did that thing out, when he went he out, came to out the, of the, the oh, rest remember, of the team stayed in the locker room. He said, I won't do that. And he came out by himself. Right. But remember after that they kind of made him apologize for it. Right. Remember that? So I think that he learned the lesson of apologizing and said he probably thought, I'm never doing that. I will never apologize again for believing in my own principles and standards for these fools and PR weasels and marketing, uh, you know, harpies who, who want to uh, dictate what we do on the field. I think that's great. By the way, I have along those lines, along the COVID lines, I have good news for uh, Dave Cullinane. Uh, Hit me. You ready? Here we go. I can announce also that we're extending the October outdoor dining program beyond its original date of October 31st. Restaurants using private outdoor space can continue to do so for the duration of the public health emergency. And restaurants using public health space on streets and sidewalks will be able to continue until December 1st when we'll look at the situation again. So, Dave, you can be at uh, Mama Maria or um, whatever's on City Hall Plaza now. Dining outside in December in Boston. There's nothing yeah, more I, pleasant. I know, I know, like mid. I'm always every year. I sit there mid November, and I'm thinking to myself, I want to dine outside this year. Especially the wind in City Hall Plaza or around the Hancock Building on St. Yeah, James Street. It's just insane. This guy, what an idiot. We're gonna let you have outdoor dining in the winter. Oh, we've been through this. Just open the damn restaurants. Let people, you know, take their chances. Let people go back to living their lives oh it's just so maddening i feel and so people bad are coming here. around and in and, and i hate to say it but noel gallagher of oasis somebody who i've hated my entire life he's now making a lot of sense you know he said that this is this whole restaurant thing where we were not allowed to be in a restaurant without a mask is idiotic because i have to take the mask off to eat so they're suggesting that covid's going to come over to me and say well you know what i won't infect him because he's eating a sandwich right now and he's absolutely right. Who are we kidding with this stuff? Let's go. I mean, for God's sakes. I mean, I, I, what are we going to do with all the empty space in Boston that used to be restaurants? Are they all going to be these temporary Amazon, like, Halloween they're gonna shops? Be, they're going to be Amazon warehouses. That's the only company. Amazon warehouses. That, that, that'll be like Newbury Street will be one big Amazon warehouse. That's what Governor Baker wants. Destroy small business. Make it easier for these big massive superstores and and amazon outlets it's just outrageous it's insane it's too bad that the rest of the public isn't as outrageous as we are because it's it's this stuff is permanent they're putting restaurant owners out of business and there's restaurants in prime locations that are never coming back it's sickening all right i want to do this before we go i want to mention the name because it i should get it right alwyn cash alwyn cash is the war hero that was um that was honored by Alexandro Villanueva. Um, it was controversial because he kind of wrote it in the name himself, like took off the one that the kid was shot is Antoine Rose. The whole team has Antoine Rose. He took the name off and put the, the, the veteran name on there, the war hero's name on there, Alwyn Cash. 
and it was a big deal until yesterday when um, Mike Tomlin said he asked for permission. Typical military guy, didn't want to break ranks, asked for permission, and Tomlin gave him permission to do it. We'll see what happens going forward. I said this yesterday, two days ago. I said if somebody in L.A. or anywhere in the NFL does not pay tribute to um, the female officer, Claudia Apollinar, Apollinar, Claudia Apollinar, that's her name. I don't think it's been released officially yet. The female officer was shot in the jaw, was bleeding out, and saved her partner's life, stopped the bleeding. He was shot in the forehead. They're both going to survive, which is a miracle. But if someone doesn't honor her uh, this weekend, I'm going to be nauseated. And, and if people bail on the NFL because of it, I will completely understand. You can't be that tone deaf that you're not going to pay tribute to a police officer in L.A. who was shot in the friggin' face and survived and heroically saved her, her partner. That woman is a hero. And if they don't recognize that, if they're too busy, too, too tone deaf, you know, that like LeBron. LeBron hasn't, as far as we know, Hasn't said a word about this yet. Just like Ed Markey and Liz Warren and Ayanna Presley, they just ignore it. It's like not, it's not good news to them that these, these officers are surviving, that they were so heroic that they survived this, this against all odds assassination attempt. It, it doesn't, it doesn't matter to them. It's not on the radar screen. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, because well, Tucker has been showcasing them and Tucker has also showcased that, uh, that Chinese doctor. And she of course backstabbed LeBron's employer, the Chinese. So I think that's the, the well, line there. But but well, you, people should listen to that audio of that cop when she calls in. It's unbelievable. She's yeah. mumbling because she, she can't, can't talk. Because she's got a jaw bullet with a jaw. On. It's incredible. That, it, it, if you can't lift, listen to that and sing, see what a hero this woman is. A 31-year-old mother, uh, you know, a rookie cop. And she she's not only calls in and mumbles the location, and, but she's helping her partners you know stop the bleeding and survive while looking over her shoulder yes because she doesn't know if the gunman is going to come back and kill them it's incredible that that woman our you know our congresswoman ayanna presley our senator liz warren they want to defund her they want to they want to kick her off the force take away her gun take away her job they they they, they, they have nothing but uh you know animus toward this this heroic woman that's how despicable our politics. Why, why'd you get me going on this? I'm trying. No, to I agree it. with it, Jerry. And you see, 31 oh. year old woman, she's got a kid. She could have gotten out of Dodge at that moment. She sticks around to administer first aid to this guy shot in the head while she's bleeding out. I mean, talk about selfless and cool under pressure. The, the training that that would take, the presence of mind, the selflessness. As far as she knew, she, those were her last few minutes on right. earth. And she spent them trying to save this 24 year old kid's, her partner's life. Jesus. Well, we can I mean, we can rest we can take solace in the fact that this friggin' turd, this oompa loompa, was such a bad shot because he shot them both at point blank range and killed neither of them, and apparently neither of them is going to die, which is wonderful news. They haven't caught him yet. We thought they caught him. Rick Leventhal lied to us, but we will uh, <laughs> be all over that when they do. Hopefully, it'll be before tomorrow's podcast but uh hey before uh, before you go because i can sense we're winding down here how many of these people because it's going to be nauseating on social media today about you know how happy everyone is now that the big Ten's back how many of these people are going to use the hashtag thank you trump because it does feel like turn <laughs> that's a good that's a good point involved, any, so as that starts to trend today I, that that was definitely the turning point 
That's a good point. This is huge for Trump because the big, all the swing states, the important states are big 10 states, Michigan, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, and football coming back. He he talked to the commissioner of the uh, big 10 and tried to convince him to come back. Kevin Warren, he did it. Apparently that's a good point. Is Trump going to get the credit for this? I know it's good news for Trump football coming back in any, at any level is good news for Trump. We will see. He needs to find a way to get to the game. I know there's not going to be any crowds there or maybe minimal crowds. Doesn't matter. He should be essentially at this ribbon cutting of one of these of one of these games. All right. Well, we'll see. We'll see if they get the get the uh, round evil man today before tomorrow. We'll see if Trump takes a bow because football slowly, gradually, football is coming back in all its forms, and that's a wonderful thing. Uh, I, I Chaddock. Good job. We will talk to you again next week. That's Tom Shattuck, uh, host of the Burn Barrel podcast, editor at the Lowell Sun, all-around media critic. Um, thanks to Shake Concrete and Allied Paving. Thanks to DCU. And thanks to all our wonderful sponsors. And thanks to everybody who listened, who rated, and reviewed. We appreciate it. Tell a friend. We, 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 need, we need everybody. Uh, I'm Jerry Callahan. This is the Callahan Podcast, and we will talk to you again tomorrow. Why am I stopping? No one else stops. I don't. Can I go home? The Jerry Callahan Podcast.